Hey folks, welcome to today's Law of Self-Defense ongoing coverage of the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. I am, of course, attorney Andrew Branca for Law of Self-Defense. Today, the trial heard testimony from the defendant himself, Kyle Rittenhouse, a high-stakes bet by the defense and one that always has the risk of snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. Fortunately for the defense, however, it appears that Assistant District Attorney Binger is leveraging this remarkable opportunity for the state to collapse not only the state's own narrative of guilt in this trial, but to collapse the entire trial itself. Indeed, so great grievous has been Binger's overstepping on fundamental constitutional rights of defendants and curb-stomping on evidentiary rulings previously made by Judge Schroeder that not only is the defense threatening to seek a mistrial with prejudice, meaning Rittenhouse could not be tried again on these charges as would normally be permitted if there was a simple mistrial, but Judge Schroeder has repeatedly dismissed the jury during Binger's cross-examination of Kyle to forcefully scold the prosecutor and sometimes angrily shouting at him. Throughout it all, Binger remains unable to pry even from the defendant himself any testimony that in any way undermines Kyle Rittenhouse's core legal defense of self-defense. As usual, we're hearing little but innuendo, snark, snide, and table-pounding from the state. Although Binger's cross-examination could best be characterized as flailing from his first question until the moment a frustrated Judge Schroeder abruptly broke for lunch, there were three major incidents during the prosecutor's cross of Rittenhouse just this morning that particularly frustrated the court. The first was by far the most egregious. Assistant DA Binger began to raise before the jury the fact that Rittenhouse had exercised his constitutional right to silence prior to taking the witness stand today in court. For those who may not know, the right to silence is inviolate, and the fact that a defendant has remained silent may not be used against him in any way, including the prohibition that it may not be mentioned at all by the prosecution at any time of the trial, ever. If there's a single most inviolate civil right in American criminal law, this is it. The right of a defendant to remain silent and not have the exercise of that right be used against them. To observe an experienced prosecutor like Binger breach this fundamental constitutional right in open court in the presence of a jury was professionally shocking to me personally in the defense and Judge Schroeder acted with the severity you might expect. So here's video of Binger delving in front of the jury into Kyle's exercise of his right to remain silent and Judge Schroeder's reaction. Since August 25th, 2020, this is the first time that you have told your story. Sustained. Since August 25th, 2020, you've had the benefit of watching countless videos of your actions that night, correct? I've seen certain videos, not all of them. I've seen the majority of them actually here during the trial. You've also had the opportunity to read articles. People have written interviews, things like that, about what happened that night, correct? I, I do my best to avoid what people write on the internet. A majority of it, it's not true. You have also sat here through eight days of trial, correct? Yes. And you've had the opportunity to watch all of the videos yes. that have been played in this trial? Yes. Sir, if you could please let me finish my question before answering, and I will do my best to let you finish your answer before I go on to the next question. Fair? Yes. You've also had the opportunity to listen to the testimony of all 30-some witnesses that have testified in this trial so far, correct? Yes. 
And after all of that now, you are telling us your side of the story, correct? Correct. Um, I'm going to ask you folks to go in the library for just a second. Please don't talk about the case. You need to account for this. Your Honor, I don't want to, I don't want to jury here. He's commenting on my client's right to remain silent. No, Your Honor. I am making the point that after hearing everything in the case, now he's tailoring his story to what has already been introduced. That the is problem is, this is a grave constitutional violation for you to talk about the defendant's silence. And that is, and, and, the, and you're right, you're right on the, you're right on the borderline. And you may, you may be over, but uh, it better stop. Understood. This is, I can't think of the case, the initial case on it, but it's, uh, this is not permitted. All right, um, ask the jury to come in, please. Now, a short time after that, Binger asked a lengthy series of questions about Kyle's understanding that deadly force cannot be used in defense of mere property. He asked the question in perhaps a dozen different ways and then revealed that it was all a long buildup into asking Kyle about the CVS video. Now, the CVS video involves Kyle sitting in a car with someone while they watch an apparent shoplifting or robbery take place at a CVS across the street. Kyle says that he wished he had his AR. He'd send rounds in the criminal's direction. He did not have his gun with him. He obviously fired no rounds from the no gun. He did not engage the criminal in any way. It was the chatter of a 17-year-old boy. All Kyle actually did was call 911 to report the event to police. The prosecution had sought in pretrial hearings to have this CVS video admitted as evidence at trial. The defense objected. It was argued out at length in court, and Judge Schroeder had announced that he was not going to admit it, but he would leave the door open to further consideration as the trial and evidence developed. This morning, when it was learned that Rittenhouse would testify, the judge affirmed that he was still not willing to admit the CVS video into evidence. So when Binger began to reference the CVS video in front of the jury, he was revealing evidence the judge had already prohibited after a lengthy argument pre-trial in which the judge affirmed remained prohibited just prior to Rittenhouse beginning to testify today. Folks, Binger may as well have just spit in the judge's face. The way this is done, if a lawyer feels evidence has opened a door or done something to justify asking a judge to change an evidentiary ruling, you request of the judge an opportunity to make that argument without the jury present. Then the judge makes the call. The lawyer does not himself get to just pretend that the judge's prior ruling excluding the evidence simply no longer matters. But that's what Assistant DA Binger did, as you can see here for yourself. You'd agree with me that you were not allowed to use deadly force to protect that car source building, correct? Yes. You'd agree with me that you were not allowed to use deadly force to stop someone from smashing the windows of an unoccupied parked car, correct? I don't think you could use deadly force for that. You'd agree with me that you can't use deadly force to stop someone from letting a metal dumpster on fire, correct? Correct. 
you'd agree with me that you can't use deadly force to stop someone from tipping over a porta potty, correct? Correct. You'd agree with me that you can't use deadly force to stop someone from lighting a flatbed trailer on fire, correct? Correct. You'd agree with me that you can't use deadly force to stop someone who is about to start an unoccupied car on fire, correct? Correct. You'd agree with me that you can't use deadly force to stop someone from lighting some traffic cones in the middle of the street on fire, correct? Correct. So you understand that there's a difference between using deadly force to protect yourself and using it to protect property, correct? Yes. And you'd agree with me that you're not allowed to use deadly force to protect property, correct? Yes. But yet you have previously indicated that you wished you had your AR-15 to protect someone's property, correct? I'm going to, uh, <coughs> uh, I'm going to ask you to go into the library uh, again for a moment, please. Please don't talk about the case. forgetting the court's rulings or attempting to provoke a mistrial in this matter. He knows he can't go into this and he's asking the questions. I asked the court to strongly admonish him and the next time it happens I'll be asking for a mistrial with prejudice. He's an experienced attorney and he knows better. Mr. Finger? First of all, Your Honor, this was the subject of a motion. I'm well aware of that and the court left the door open. This for me, not for you. My understanding of you your should have come and asked for uh, for reconsideration. You did on the one motion, and in fact, I granted your motion for reconsideration. That was excuse not me, our motion. I, I, I uh, that's not, uh, excuse me. I, uh, I did. I granted. We did not move that to reconsider. That was their motion. I, I, we have I, not filed any me. motions to reconsider in this case. That was their motion for reconsideration, which I denied. But. Uh, I said I denied it, or I indicated a bias towards denial is what I did. Held it open with a bias towards denial. Why would you think that that made it okay for you without any advance notice to bring this matter before the jury? You are already, you were, I, I was a, astonished when you began your examination by commenting on the defendant's post-arrest silence. That's basic law. It's been basic law in this country for 40 years, 50 years. I have no idea why you would do something like that. And it gives, um, uh, well, I'll, I'll leave it at that. I so I don't know what you're up to. May I respond? Yes. We filed another acts motion on this exact issue because in my mind, and I argued this, it is identical to what was going on on the night of August 25th in the sense that the defendant was using this exact same weapon. He was using it in a manner to try and protect property. No, he wasn't. There's, Your Honor, I, with all due respect. I'm not going to rehash the motion. That's absolutely untrue. It and is there's, no, no, no. Your arguments of record, my comments are of record, and why I ruled as I did is of record. There's nothing that I heard in this trial to suggest anything's changed, even if you're correct in your assumption that you know more than uh, I did at the time, uh, you should have come to the court and say, I want to go into this. Uh, why you would think that you could go into it without any advance notice to the court, I don't understand that. And as the 
uh, defense is pointing out you're an experienced trial lawyer and this should not have been gone into. Your Honor, there have been things in this case, testimony in this case, that I believe opens the door to this. For example, the defense has introduced evidence that the defendant pointed a gun at a man wearing yellow pants because that person was on a car, on the car source lot. Now there's no justification that I can think of why the defendant would point that gun at someone. The defendant has just testified this morning that he agreed with that person in the yellow pants that he pointed the gun at him. He said, I was joking when I said that to the guy in the yellow pants, but he said, he's acknowledged that he told the person in the yellow pants, yeah, you're right. I did point a gun at you when you were sitting on a car. He said, I did. That's what he exactly. So he's agreeing. May I finish, please? I'd like to have a chance to make a record if I could without being interrupted, if that's okay. He has mentioned that he has he's acknowledged that he's used this gun to protect property. He's also just acknowledged that he knows he can't do that. I am attempting to impeach him now with the prior August 10th incident, 15 days prior, involving the same gun where he is threatening to use that gun to protect property. It he goes the gun with him. Your Honor, he is saying he wished he did so he could shoot people. You know, there's a lot of difference between commenting about something when you haven't got a gun and threatening someone when you do. You know, it's interesting, Your Honor, because the entire defense theory in this case is Joseph Rosenbaum, who was unarmed. I want you to tell me what the defense theory of the case is. I want. May I, look, res may I respond look. to what you just said, Your Honor? I'd like to respond to what you Can just you said. Slow down, please? I, I apologize, Madam Court Reporter, but I'd like to try and make a record without anyone interrupting me if that's okay. I believe that there is a central part of this case that Mr. Rosenbaum is making threats that he has no ability to carry out. So to your point, Your Honor, you're arguing that this August 10th incident, one, one aspect of why you don't believe it's relevant is the defendant didn't have the gun with him. The, this case is about someone who didn't have a weapon and yet the jury is being told because of those threats, that means the defendant has to defend himself. So with all due respect, Your Honor, mere verbal threats have already been shown to this jury and used as a basis for someone's subsequent actions. I am attempting with the defendant to use his mere verbal threat on August 10th, 15 days prior, that he's going to shoot shoplifters with his AR-15 to impeach the defendant in a murder trial. I would ask the court's forbearance to do that. I apologize, Your Honor. You're right. I probably should have brought this to your attention earlier. I may have misunderstood your ruling because I thought your ruling was if the evidence in this case made that more relevant, you would admit it or at least consider it an admittance. I believe, based on the evidence that we've heard and more specifically exactly what the defendant said earlier about admitting pointing a gun at someone who was merely jumping or sitting on a car, that the door is open now to this testimony. And I continue to believe that his state of mind, his intent, his belief as to self-defense is the core of this case. That was the basis for my motion. You were strongly inclined against it. I understand that. But now we're in the middle of trial and there's been a lot of evidence that's come in that I think makes this relevant. So I'm attempting to impeach the defendant on his beliefs. I believe I'm entitled to impeach the defendant on his beliefs and on his statements. I'm gonna interrupt you now because you're talking about his beliefs. I think that's what they call his statements to your honor. Because he just said, can't use deadly force, can't threaten to use deadly force to protect property. So now I'm impeaching him on that. Your, your honor, 
what's the, the court has seen no reason to change its ruling and it, just so this record is clear in spite of the lengthy statement by mr. Binger before we started today the court specifically stated in mr. Binger's presence there's been nothing to have me change any of my rulings there have been numerous occasions during this trial where they've opened the door the one time when they're going into mr. Rosenbaum's prior reason he doesn't like guns and I said something I whispered in mr. Krause's ear it's because of the prior convictions please stop and he did he knows if you're going to go into something that's been excluded in a pretrial order you better ask the court you better get permission this is ridiculous it, was, know, it wasn't excluded your honor you know why it was excluded in the first place because it's it was propensity evidence that is exactly what 90404 is designed to prevent you're talking about his attitudes his attitude is he wants to shoot people now I've admitted that kind of evidence in other trials when it's been appropriate I didn't admit it in this case because to me what I've heard in this trial and by the way mr. Richards absolutely correctly points out that just hours ago I said I had heard nothing in this trial to change any of my rulings so why testimony on pardon me that was before the don't get testimony. brazen with me uh, uh, you knew very well you know very well that an attorney can't go into these types of areas when the judge has already ruled without asking outside the presence of the jury to do so so don't give me that that's number one number two this is propensity evidence I said at the time that I made my ruling and I'll repeat again now for you I see no similarity between talking about wishing you had your AR gun which you don't have <coughs> so that you could take fire rounds at these uh, thought to be shoplifters and the incidents in these cases which are not there's nothing in your case that suggests the defendant was lying in wait to shoot at somebody or reflecting upon the shooting for a vast amount of time every one of the incidents involves uh, matters that involve seconds in time so I don't I comment at the time I don't see the similarity and I don't see the similarity now if it's not similar that's that's the whole rule those are all the exceptions to 90404 check the authorities Wigmore on evidence judge Weinstein Colonel McCormick it's the crime the prior act has to bear the signature of the accused or it has to be so similar as to suggest it's a common plan or something like that you have an incident where he's making comments about some alleged shoplifters versus and crimes that involve instantaneous actions whether premeditated murder or whether self-defense that's for the jury to decide but I don't see the similarity I said it couldn't come in and it isn't coming in no matter what you think number two I, I have to be concerned that with what Mr. Richards has said about the, the, the progress of the trial and, and um, when, when you were way, well, I said you were over the line, in, uh, close to or over the line on commenting on the defendant's pretrial silence, which is a well-known rule. 
I, 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 I'm astonished that that would have been an issue. So I don't want to have another issue as long as this case continues. Is that clear? It is. Thank you. Ask the jury to come back in, please. After the second incident, the defense informed the judge that this was inexcusable conduct from an experienced prosecutor who knows better that they suspected Binger knew his case was so weak that he didn't want it to go to a jury, that he was angling for a mistrial, and that if he engaged in misconduct again, the defense would offer a motion for a mistrial with prejudice, meaning that if granted, Kyle could never be tried on these charges again. The third misstep of Binger came only a short while later. He began to get into a lengthy and tiresome series of questions with Kyle about the difference between full metal jacket bullets, and hollow point bullets. The point of all this is beyond me, frankly, but in any case, Kyle repeatedly indicated that he didn't really know all that much about bullets. But Binger couldn't let it go. He kept asking and asking and asking. And when Kyle kept repeating that he just lacked the knowledge necessary to answer the questions, Binger began to explain to Kyle what the difference in the ammo types was. Folks, this is simply not permitted. The lawyer asks questions, and the witness provides the testimony. The lawyer does not get to provide his own testimony, which is what Binger was doing. The defense objected, of course. Judge Schroeder interrupted Binger's questioning, and Binger then responded by interrupting Judge Schroeder in turn. Folks, one does not interrupt a judge in his own courtroom. Judge Schroeder, with the jury still present, immediately informed Binger that first, the information about the ammo he was spouting in front of the jury was incorrect. Ouch. Second, that it was inappropriate for the prosecutor to provide testimony. At that point, Binger interrupted the judge again. That's when a clearly frustrated Judge Schroeder abruptly announced the court would recess for lunch. And here's that exchange as well. Did you personally purchase that 223 full metal jacket ammunition? I did not. Who did? Dominic did. Did you ask him to purchase it? I did not. So you didn't know what type of ammo was in that gun. Is that I, right? I knew they were 223 full metal jackets. I the first time I shot it, I had to load it into the magazine. So you knew the type of round, but you didn't know what those rounds were capable of doing. Is that fair to say? Believe a bullet's a bullet. As you sit here today, you know that there are different types of bullets, right? Yes. You know that hollow point bullets, for example, do different things to a animal or a human than full metal jacket bullets, correct? Yeah. Full metal jacket is a like a defense round, like another type of defense round. I know full, people use full metal jacket for hunting, and hollow point is something that causes more damage. Hollow point bullets are designed to hit the animal that they're being shot at. Let's say a deer, for example, and explode inside that body. Correct? No, I don't. I don't think so. When you say explode, are you saying expand or explode? Because there are such things as exploding bullets. Sure. Let me let me rephrase. Mr. Rittenhouse, what is your understanding of what a hollow point bullet would do if it were shot at, say, a deer? I, I don't think people use hollow point. That wasn't my question, sir. What is your understanding of what that bullet would do? Let me, let me rephrase it then, because you're aware that people use 
hollow point bullets in their pistols to defend themselves against other people, correct? Yes. Ryan Balch, for example, testified in this trial that he was carrying a pistol loaded with hollow point ammunition for self-defense. Do you remember that testimony? I, I do. So what is your understanding, if you have one, as to what hollow point ammunition would do to a human? I believe it would do the same thing as any other bullet. Um, like I said, a bullet's a bullet. Um, I just believe hollow points... I'm sorry, I don't know much about ammo. Um, I'm trying to think of what I remember, but I just don't know much about ammo. So you didn't know the difference between what a full metal jacket bullet would do versus a hollow point, right? I, I believe a hollow point from... I, I just don't know much about this. Um, I believe a hollow point would cause more damage to the first target, but it wouldn't continue through to any other targets, right? I, I, I don't know the answer Whereas to that. Whereas a full metal jacket bullet is specifically designed to continue through its first target and keep flying, correct? I, I, I you know, uh, there, there, uh, <clears throat> first of all, the, 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 the um, hollow point is not guaranteed to stay in the first object struck, which is so. What you said was not correct. Uh, uh, secondly, there's no testimony on that, Your Honor. Uh, no, but you've been testifying, and that's what Mr. That's what Mr. We're going to break a break for lunch. Uh, please don't uh, talk about the case. Uh, read, watch, or listen to any account of the trial. We'll see you. Uh, let's hope at uh, about 12:45. Oh, I've got a couple of hearings. Uh, let's say one o'clock. I apologize for taking time away from you. All right, folks, that's all I have for you at the moment. Keep following our live commenting and analysis at the Rittenhouse trial over at Legal Insurrection. We start every morning, go all day. Remember, if you carry a gun so you're hard to kill, that's why I carry a gun so I'm hard to kill, then you also owe it to yourself to make sure you know the law so you're hard to convict. Until next time, I remain Attorney Andrew Branker for Law of Self-Defense. Stay safe.